In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we gather here this morning in your name, and we make an act of faith that you are here with us in a special way. And you were just speaking to us through that song, Be Not Afraid. Jesus, help us to lay down our fears at your feet here this morning. Help us to trust in you. Help us to desire you more and more, your friendship, your closeness. Help us to surrender more so as to receive more of you today. We want more of you, God. We want more of your peace. We want more of your joy. We want more of your wisdom. We want more of your understanding. We want more of your vision. Mother Mary, we crown you the queen of this day. As we pray together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Blessed Salinas Casey, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Another providential fact that we're here this weekend And we're here today on this feast of Blessed Solanus Casey, a great man of prayer, by the way. Where did Solanus get his apostolic fruitfulness from? His union with God. If you haven't been to their chapel, you gotta go to their chapel and they tell you that he used to spend the nights there at the foot of the tabernacle, just sleeping right there on the floor before the Lord. So more and more he was able to have the heart of Christ. When we spend that time with the Lord in prayer, he transforms us. It's not something that we can just will to happen on our own. I had somebody ask me just the other day, how do I change my heart? (laughs) The answer is, you don't. (laughs) God does. We have to remember that, that it is his grace Remember what grace is? God's power and? All right, excellent. So his power and his presence is what transforms us. That's that primacy of grace, too. I was talking about the primacy of receptivity yesterday. But we could also call that the primacy of grace. As opposed to the primacy of our action or our initiative. Of course, we have to cooperate with God's grace. God will always respect your freedom. Always. He will never impose his will on on you. But rather, he'll try to stir your heart. He'll reveal himself to you more and more so as to stir your heart, so as to want what he wants. And first and foremost, what does he want? A relationship. He wants a friendship. He wants to have an intimate relationship with all of us. 
That's what's that's God's will first and foremost. And then from there, will flow the good works. From that relationship, you will be transformed, you will be inspired, you'll be strengthened, you'll be encouraged, and that will allow you to go out and to share what you've received. To share your encounters with the living God, with other people who are searching. A lot of people are searching out there, isn't that, isn't that right? A lot of people are searching. We've tried everything else, you might say, for what? I don't know, the last, going on 60 years now, I guess, since the 60s, right? Society's been unraveling since the 60s, little by little, more and more. Has anyone here seen the documentary, What is a Woman? Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, you gotta look it up. It is unbelievable. What is a woman? It's really something. And you watch it, and you're just like, wow. We have come a long way. <laughs> Not in the right direction. So, God help us. People need God more than ever. And as I was saying last night, they, they want to encounter people who have had encounters with God, with the living God. So let's look at Luke chapter 11 for starters here, the Lord's Prayer. And I found this little book in my room. I don't know if all the rooms have this little book. Yeah, it looks like they do. That's awesome. So maybe this little book would help you today in your quiet time. As I said today, let's try to foster that interior silence. So even in the break times, you know, I really encourage you to try to keep silence. Go outside, walk around, the grounds are beautiful. Go to the chapel, go to your room. That's hard, I know it's hard. That's why, spirit, uh, that's why St. Ignatius called them spiritual exercises, you know. You're getting stretched today, pulled by the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing though. That's how you grow, that's how you grow. So Luke chapter 11, he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And then he goes on. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come upon us today in a new way. Help us all to have new encounters with the risen Lord Jesus, with the love of Abba, Father. So here, Jesus is making this comparison between earthly fathers and our Heavenly Father. And I know many of you are fathers and mothers, so this is an easy one to connect with. When parents come to me lamenting, you know, what's going on with their children and they might be blaming themselves, I like to ask them, did you ever wake up and ask yourself, I wonder how I can screw up my kid's life today? <laughs> right? Nobody does that, right? No parent does that. It happens, but nobody does it intentionally. <laughs> you don't have to try, really, right? So, God knows the goodwill of, of good parents. And he's saying to us, look, your Heavenly Father? Much more so. Much more so. Again, we can't forget, God didn't have to create us but he wanted to. He chose to. Why? I mean, you can remember the Baltimore Catechism. Some of you probably memorized those answers. But it boils down to this, that he wanted to share his divine life with you. That's why he made you. He wanted to share his divine life with you. And what is his divine life? It's the eternal embrace of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's that total, free, faithful, fruitful love that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit share. He wanted you to be a part of that. I like to call it the dynamic of God's dynamic love. And by virtue of our baptism, we've all been introduced into that dynamic of God's dynamic love. Love is dynamic, which means it's always active. Like we said last night, God is always acting. He's always taking initiative. He's the protagonist in our life and our relationship with him. Here's a provocative question, especially in front of couples. In any relationship, who controls the relationship? The one who loves more or the one who loves less? It's the one who loves less. So in our relationship with God, we're actually in control in a sense. We're the limiting factor. So when it comes to growth, when it comes to this dynamism that God is inviting us to be a part of, well, yeah, we're the limiting factor. Now, it's not that he holds that against us. 
He knows it. He's God. But as I was saying last night, we tend to limit ourselves way too much. We put ourselves in a box, and then we tend to limit God and what God wants to do. Ask God to help you avoid that. And often that's motivated by fear. What's God gonna ask of me? Well, he's not going to ask anything of you that he himself hasn't done himself in Jesus. And Jesus, as we were singing in the song before the meditation began, goes before you in all of those things. He accompanies you. And again, that's the reason why we want to really emphasize our relationship with him, our friendship with him, our prayer life, our interior life. The Holy Spirit. God wants to give the Holy Spirit. Last night we had the question asked, so so what does that look like? What does having this encounter look like? What does it feel like? That was just reflecting some more on that and what really helped my prayer life a very simple question but I was already a priest I had never really heard this question posed to me at least it certainly never struck me the way it did ah, about six years ago seven years ago and the simple question is this what feels true to you about God in your prayer as you go to the scriptures, as you open yourself up to the Lord in prayer, as you're asking for his, his blessing and his revelation, his the intimacy with God, as he has already revealed himself to you, what feels true to you about God. And here's what can really help you with that. Think of a positive memory. We can even do the exercise together right now. It's helpful to do it. So just ask the Holy Spirit to help you call to mind a positive memory. And it doesn't even have to be a God memory per se, like when you were in church or in prayer. It doesn't have to be. It could be. <clears throat> but a moment where you just felt really blessed, really perhaps overwhelmed even by the presence of God or just filled with joy. Maybe it was the birth of your first child or your wedding day, whatever. Maybe it was a moment that you did have recently in prayer. And maybe nothing's coming to you right now. Don't think, don't overthink it. But Holy Spirit, help us to call to mind a memory where we did feel blessed, where we did feel loved, where we felt inspired. And now just 
Use your imagination to recall that. Who are the people there with you? Maybe you're by yourself, but what was the surrounding like? Was it warm? Was it cold? Were you standing? Were you sitting? What was the essence of the memory? And then just ask yourself, you know, what feels true about myself? What feels true about God? What feels true about whatever's happening there? So it gets you out of your head and more into your heart. just let gratitude arise. Let gratitude, let appreciation for this moment arise in your heart. And just thank God for this moment, for this memory. Thank God for the people there. Thank God for providing this person or these people or this opportunity, whatever it is that you're remembering. Remember that it came from God, the giver of all good gifts. And just notice what's even happening right now in your own mind, in your own heart, in your body in your spirit as you appreciate that memory try to notice what's going on notice if God is making himself present to you in your imagination in your body through a word, a thought, an emotion, all of the above. Lord, thank you for making your presence felt in this memory. Please help me to be aware of your presence right here and now in this room right next to me, in me, and with me. How is God revealing himself to you in this moment? What is he wanting you to know? But what is he wanting you to know in your heart about him right now?
I'll tell you what I'm getting then. What feels true to me is that God really loves to be close to me. And that it feels good. <laughs> From my perspective, it feels good to be close to God. And that he loves to hold me. He loves to surround me. He loves to see me. I feel very affirmed. I feel very affirmed by God for who I am, even in my weakness. I feel affirmed by my Heavenly Father, by my Lord. I feel like he's happy to be with me. And that fills me with joy. That's a great definition of joy. To be in the presence of someone that you know is happy to be with you. So we can just come out of that slowly and just relish that, that presence. If you think about it, all of Judeo-Christian spirituality is rooted and grounded in memory. Memory is very important for our spiritual lives. How often did, did God ask the Israelites to remember the works of the Lord? Remember the works of the Lord because it was through those works that God revealed himself to the Israelites in the Old Testament. And how did he reveal himself in, you know, in an ultimate way, you might say, or at least for them in their history, was bringing them up out of Egypt, bringing them through the Red Sea, having, having Moses and Aaron lead them out from slavery. And what was it that God asked them to do that night and every year following that night to celebrate the Passover? What was the Passover? It was, it was the climax of their liturgical calendar, but it was a memorial, right? So that they wouldn't forget the works of the Lord. And now what is our Mass? The Mass is a memorial. So that we don't forget what Jesus did for us, what God himself did for us. Jesus commanded us, do this in remembrance of me, right? Don't forget. Don't forget. We're quick to forget, aren't we? <laughs> We're quick to forget. God, God forgive us. We're quick to forget. So that's why it is a, it's a kind of discipline. To remember is a, is a kind of discipline. 
So it takes intentionality. It takes effort, it takes focus. But as we do that, I don't know, I, I hope this little exercise worked for most of you. If it didn't, don't worry, you can try it again when you're by yourself. Or when you, you know, go to the chapel, go outside. And you can have all kinds of memories, positive memories, surface. And there's this new term out there called neurotheologians. I don't know if anybody here has heard that term, neurotheologians. So I, I like to call them the brain geeks, but uh, most of them are, are Protestants right now. I'm sure there's some Catholics. I mean, Dr. Bob Schutz is, is certainly in that school. Um, but many of these Protestant pastors and, and scientists who study the brain are making just amazing connections between classic Judeo-Christian spirituality and the brain. And as one lady likes to say, science is finally catching up with the scriptures. So there's a reason why, there's a biological, physiological reason why the Lord said, remember the works of the Lord. Because now we know that when we remember things like that, and when we give thanks, when we appreciate those things, when we relish them, our minds and our, and our spirits, our bodies literally open up the circuits in our brain that are made for relationship, connection, they're turned on. So we have that expression in English, you know, you really turned me on, right? Well, there's a physiological truth to that statement. And we've, we've all felt that, but it's not just a feeling, it, it really is science. It's real, <laughs> it's real spirituality too. God designed it that way. So how about this for you Catholics out there, which I know you're all Catholic, right? <clears throat> but this is what I want to say to the Protestants, right? So we have this Eucharistic celebration that we go to every week, if not every day. So we offer this sacrifice of praise and thanks, right? That's what Eucharist means in Greek, in case you didn't know, to give thanks, right? So we offer the sacrifice of thanks and praise, and if we're engaged in that action throughout the liturgy, right? What does liturgy mean? Any, any liturgy? You know, remember? Like the works of God, right? To be engaged in the works and the praise of God, liturgia. So if we're engaged in this sacrifice and in this thanks and praise, what's going on in us physiologically? Our minds and our hearts and our bodies are, are getting prepared for what? Holy communion. Whoa. <laughs> Do you think the author of the body was also the author of the liturgy? Uh-huh. Did God know what he was doing? Of course he did, right? He was very intentional about it all. So that might just help you next time you go to Mass, right? Here I am, engaged in this sacrifice. I'm offering myself in thanks and praise to the Lord 
through Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus, for the glory of the Father, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Sound familiar? Right? And all of that is in preparation for Holy Communion, for intimacy with God. You're getting turned on. <laughs> At least you're supposed to be getting turned on, awakened during the Eucharistic sacrifice in preparation for this communion with God himself, the divine bridegroom. Whoa, I know that's a deep thought for a Saturday morning. <laughs> but that's what's going on. So whenever we can remember the works of the Lord, not just the ones that he did, but then the more personal you can make it, when you can call to mind the ways that God has literally revealed himself to you in your life, your calling, for example. Maybe some of you have a moment, an aha moment, like I had as a 20-year-old in my college dorm room. I had an aha moment. So that one's easy for me to go back to. World Youth Day with John Paul II, 1993 in the Rockies. You know, that's an easy one. And my ordination day. I mean, I've got, you know, so many, right? As simple as somebody coming up to you and some simple encounter with somebody, but maybe just something really kind and beautiful that they said to you. Like, oh, thank you. I needed that today. Like we all do. So what is God trying to do in those moments, in those happy memories? God's trying to reveal himself. And in our prayer, prayer is the privileged place to process these things. Prayer is the privileged place to process these memories, both good and bad. But right now we're focusing on the good. <laughs> because God is saying something to us. He's revealing his heart to us. And again, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will literally animate your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. And he will, it, it's what he wants to do more than anything, is reveal to us Jesus and the love of the Father. So God wants it. God wants it. We just need to tap in to what God is already doing. Real quickly, let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 1 to 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn to become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child... He is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So God is inviting us to become childlike. 
not childish, <laughs> childlike. And what does it mean to become like a child? Well, one thing's for sure is to have this simplicity, this confidence in approaching Abba Father. No, no pretenses, no fear, no masks, no walls. Now Jesus knows that's easier said than done. But at least we have his word to assure us that it's okay to be needy. How about that, guys? It's okay to be needy. I don't think women have a much easier time with that, honestly. So, ladies, it's okay to be needy. But here in the States especially, we really pride ourselves on being self-sufficient, self-made. And, you know, there's certainly some virtue there and there's good things to be taken away from that. <clears throat> however, however, we have to recognize our need for God. And, our, and it's not just a servile kind of need either. It's a childlike need and dependency. God isn't interested in slaves. He made that very clear. God doesn't want us to follow him out of slavish obedience. But he does want us to trust in him. He wants us to know that we can depend on him. To have that confidence, that trust for whatever we need. And then it comes back to desire as well. Last night we talked about the importance of desire. So closely related to hope. Desire and hope are so closely related and so important for our prayer life. Some of you may still have little ones, or you may even have little grandkids, you know. And just how little kids, you know, they're, they're completely dependent on their parents for everything. And if it's a good relationship, they have no qualms about asking mommy or daddy for whatever they need. Or grandpa, or grandma. <laughs> no qualms. No fear. So maybe you're in a dynamic like that, or you've, you know, you've lived in a dynamic like that. So let the Lord speak to you through that dynamic. Maybe your dynamic wasn't so healthy or, or you know, so happy. Well, let the Lord speak into that as well. Bring healing into that. Because he is a father like no other. God is our father like no other.
And if we see Jesus and we see the way that Jesus treated humanity and the way that Jesus treats us, well, that's the Father. Jesus said it. Whoever sees me sees the Father. So know that the Father has this very compassionate heart for you. So much so that he gave his only begotten son so that we could be saved, so that we could have life. That's the heart of the Father. So Lord, I, I need help with that. Help me to be okay with being needy. Help me to get in touch with my own neediness. My physical needs, my emotional needs, my spiritual needs, you name it. Ultimately, we all have this desire, as I was saying last night, to be known, to be loved, to be seen, to be wanted, to belong, to be affirmed. It's another great book, Seven Desires of the Heart. It's a great book for prayer, too. The Seven Desires of Every Heart. Something like that. I can't. I'll get the exact title for you later. But to be in touch with those fundamental desires. is really important and to bring those to the Lord more and more <coughs> and to, to experience his providence and his mercy Jesus taught us this prayer the our father so it speaks to the, the filial relationship that God wants us to have with him God wants us to have this childlike simplicity and confidence. God wants to be known in this way. He doesn't count our neediness against us. He doesn't, he doesn't shame us for being needy. Unfortunately, I think many of us have been shamed when we've expressed a need, when we've had a need and we've brought that to certain people at certain times unfortunately that neediness was shamed or ignored or ridiculed or criticized we've all experienced that and the more you experience that you know the bigger and the thicker the wall is around that neediness so God is gentle he doesn't come in with a bulldozer and knock the wall down <laughs> that's not what God is interested in doing he knows it's a process brick by brick brick by brick and at first maybe there's just going to be like a little peephole <laughs> that he wants to put in there you know to kind of look in there with you because it can be very painful that's for sure. God knows. He knows. So again, he's always going to be very respectful in prayer. He's always going to be
completely respectful of your freedom. As I said, he's not going to impose himself on you. But rather, he will propose, he will invite.